When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Dad Vengers podcast sponsored by Tonka. Because being tough is all about getting out and playing. I'm Nigel Clark, TV presenter and performer. And I'm also host of this wonderful podcast where we explore different aspects of parenting and hone in on the dad point of view. And mums, grandparents, carers, we want you involved in the conversation too. So let's talk, let's laugh, let's share the things we find difficult and become the type of dads we really want to be. Welcome to another episode of the Dad Vengers podcast. I'm really excited about today's guest. He was born in Jamaica as one of 10 siblings. Uh, he has seven of his own children, so he's, he's got something to say on the dad front. And he's also a cancer survivor. Please welcome Amos Hurst. Amos, it's so lovely to have you here. Nice to be here too, yeah. You are probably the wisest dad venger we've ever had on the podcast, being 85 years old. Hmm. Is it so? Yeah. Yeah, it is. And we're, we're really excited to chat to you about all that you've uh, been through. So you were one of 10 children. What was that like growing up with nine siblings? Oh, that was great. It was in Jamaica. That's that's great because we um we we my dad run a farm at a small farm and we all most of the boys go to the farm and 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 do work. So we it was it was quite great. It was great. You say that um you, you did work. Was it a hard upbringing? Were, were your parents pretty strict? They were very strict. Very, very strict because 10 of us live in a village. The village must be having about 100 and just over 100 people or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and not one of us ever get ourselves in trouble. Wow, that's good. We couldn't, we couldn't anyway unless we want our backs smart. <laughs> <laughs> Old school ways. That was the way. I got smacked when I was little and, it, you know, uh, that was the way my parents were. My parents are from Guyana. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. So I've got Guyanese heritage and yeah, they, they were brought up in a strict regime. I think a bit like yourself as well. Um, was your dad the authoritative person? Was he like the leader of the family and it's my way or the highway or was he, was he more of a, uh, a softer dad? Well, well, I must say my dad and my mom was almost the same. They, 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 they were, they were, high con in the village 
And because they do things for people, it must be just as what I had done. So to do things for people now than I, more than I done for myself. But my dad was they were they my dad was the most boss with their children with his children because he bossed us. He was very, 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 very serious with us to keep us out of trouble. And so but he was the but my mom, she could hold her own and she could she could do I mean my dad couldn't sort of a manipulator or anything like that. She stood up for herself. Oh, she stood up for herself. Although my dad was 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 the worker because she had ten children. Of ten children, she's the work harder than my dad. But my dad was the sort of a person who was to the breadwinner. We used to call it. Yeah. Mm. So did your did your parents then because you had so many siblings instill a work ethic in you? Oh yes, definitely. Um, what they used to do, what my dad used to do, um, every weekend, we get some pocket money. Although it's a small in Jamaica. But if you don't work and do the work that you're supposed to do around the, around the, the, the house or field, then you get nothing. Oh, wow. So you couldn't have money to spend. You got to work for it. You see, and that's 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 what happened to that's how we grow up. Or ten of us grow up. Yeah. And of the ten of you, did you all stay down the straight and narrow, or did you have anyone veer off off the, the good road? Well, none of us, not one of us ever been in any trouble at all. We said that's that that was that's unique, really. I was gonna say that's a testament to your mum and dad. Yeah. Well, I I was the I was the the the, 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 the toughest one in it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would go on to play cricket. I would go on to instead of getting the animal, the the, the pigs or the, the goat or the, the 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 mule we had, instead of looking for them, I would go and play marble on the street and and play cricket with the boys. Them and go swimming in the river. So I'm the hardest one, and 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 and. And that must be must be something because if I'm the the rest was really really softer than uh, it was. Mm. Wow, wow. So what made you um, emigrate? Well, it's a long story because when I um when I finished school, my dad asked me what I want to do, and there was a, a, a American lady living there who was the boss for a church. They call it the Friends Church. And she was in touch with a sugar factory they call Brazen that makes sugar and rum. And they asked me if I want to be a mechanic. And then I said, yes. And she t- took me down and interviewed me. And they take me in as an apprentice, mechanical engineer in the sugar factory as apprentice. So you started off as a mechanical engineer in Jamaica? Yes. Mm-hmm. And then how did that lead to you then coming to the UK? Well, the main the, the thing is the 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 the, the sugar factory did one by English, ah, yeah. and then they used they picked out some of us to send to England to sort of develop on our, 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 our trade, and I think it was eight or seven of us. I can't remember. I think it's about seven because that's sixty years ago, and um, we came up. But the only reason you could get to come up, we could get to come up. We have got to get someone here to steal it. You see, wow. we could 
they will pay everything and everything, but they have to get someone to stay away. And then I came up. I had two sisters up here and I came out. So you already had two sisters in the UK? Sisters, yes, in the UK. Mm. So did that make it easier for you to move because you knew you were going to have family and help here? Yes, that's right. So I came up. I, I came up and um, when I come up, I finish my, uh, finish, almost finish my, my, my course. And then and, and my sister asked me if I want to go back, I've got a job. So they gave me a job and I never go back. So what age were you when you came over to the UK? I'm, I'm in my 20s. In your 20s? Now, yes. I know from, from knowing a little bit about you, by the time you were 20, you were already a father, right? Yes. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. So um, did you travel with your uh, first child or not? No, I traveled. I, I I traveled when I got up and, and I got to England, got myself a job, and then I sent for them and their mother. Wow! So mm. that that would have been difficult. Now let's let's talk about that a little bit. How was mm. it for you? Leave? Did you say you had two children at that point? Yes. Yeah. Mm. How was it for you leaving your two children? in another country knowing that you're not going to be seeing them regularly. We live in mm. an age now where you can mm. video call like we are now. But yes. in, in those days, you couldn't do that. So, and a long distance call was, was a difficult thing. How was that? It was difficult. I didn't get the chance to take the telephone and use it. The only correspondent we had uh, was to write letters and it take a time to go. Only letters, no talk to them, no nothing. Mm. Wow. That, I mean, that must be, for you, it must have been so hard. It was difficult. It was difficult. But the only, the only um, good thing there, because my, when I came up, my mother, my great-grandma was there, and my grandma was there. So we have many people there to look after the children. So when I when I when I send a letter, it's almost four letters because I send it and write bits in there for my great grandma and bits for my grandma and my mom. Yeah, I mean, w when you grew up, there was a, and where you grew up, there's a different sense of community when raising your children that I think in this day and age has been a little bit lost. Would you Would you agree? Those days was all right because the community was a community. Um, because if we, if we, if we, if I go on the street and sort of done anything wrong, someone can tell us off or even smack us, and we dare not tell our parents because we'll get a double. <laughs> but the community was those days, you see. Hmm. Yeah, you get a double helping of smacks. Wow. So, okay, you, you've moved to the UK, you've got two children back home in Jamaica, and you're making a career for yourself in the UK. What, what was your driving thought at, the mo at that time? Because you, you said you didn't go back you, and you didn't want to go back, you got offered to go back. So what was in your head at that time? You thought you could make a better life for your family? Well, I thought I would make a better life for my family. What I would, in, my intention was to work and get some work, and then 30 years, four, five, six years, I go back to Jamaica to live. But it wasn't here because you didn't get the money that you could support them or you couldn't get the money, so you gradually stay.
then you just decided to stay and right and so the original plan original plan was to go back but that changed oh, yes. after after you realized you hadn't made enough or you hadn't yeah. made your life as good as you wanted to make it so then you sent for your family to come to the UK yeah and not only that but I fall in love with the country ah. that's one of that's one of the things I fall in love with the country okay and I decided that I'm going to stay yeah Wow. So you fell in love with the country and you thought, right, this is where I want to bring my children up. Yes. You are right. 100% right here. Yeah. What, what, what were the opportunities that you could see for your children here in the UK? Well, in those days, I didn't see any great opportunity. I didn't look into that. The opportunity that I see that I would want to see them here with me. And I never sort of have that long forward thinking. I just feel like I want them with me and, and I have get them to come up with me. Mm. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. So they, they came and arrived and you started your life here and then you had more children. Yes, well, we, we, we people follow tough love sometime and I follow, follow. So I, 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 I am find someone, I have two children. Uh, more children and that's that's so so, so mm. at that point you had four children mm -hmm. and you had to be that father figure would you say you were a strict parent what kind of parent were you to oh. your young kids well I can say that for myself but I can't say it for my children myself <laughs> <laughs> they might say that I'm a hard children especially two I'm south of the concentrate and especially two, these two daughters here, one her own, me know. <laughs> I, we support each other's and all of us, each other's. So just so I get a, a, an idea of, of who's here in the UK, how many children have you got in the UK right now? Three. Three. Mm. So you've got Sophia, who we're going to meet later. Yeah. And Sophie and Naomi and a, and, a, and, a, and a son. Yeah. Nice. Mm. And it, so I will be asking Sophia later if you were a strict parent, but you, you didn't think you were very strict. Yes, I was, I was partly strict, but what I, I don't smack them if they've done anything wrong. Um, Sophie might be able to tell you, Sophia. I give them the poison look. <laughs> poison. And once I give them the poison look, it's a big change. Yeah. The poison look. I'm loving yeah. the poison look. That's uh, I think mm. the poison look is something that many parents need to learn how to give. Yes. I gave them the poison look, and they know my poison look is very serious. Because if they want something, I'm not going to give them this the poison look. What made you, okay, because you were smacked as, as a child. Oh, very much. Mm -hmm. What made you decide to not smack and to go down the poison look route? Because from your generation, a lot of people still smacked. Yeah, oh, yes. From when, when in the 60s coming up and all that, you, you sometimes... Well, in England, because I'm in here since 1961, and sometimes you hear children crying 
next door because it's appearing smart them and since the law changed. But I, that wasn't my, I don't know why. I can't tell you why, but that's not in my mind. For us, I love them too much. I don't know. You love yeah. them too much. That is, oh, that's a beautiful thing to hear from a father. A really, really beautiful thing to hear from yeah. a father. Because the thing is, the, the thing is, it's, um, if you're going, I don't, depends on myself to, 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 to take care of myself mentally alone. Because of your family and that, that, that helped, I use that help to um, sort of uh, help me to sort of uh, survive. So for you, your children helped with your mental health and your, your, your standing in the world and who you thought you were. Yes, they helped me. They helped me. That, that, that's, that's the help, the big help. Yes. Wow, that's I, incredible. I help them and I get the help from them. So that's how I, I, that's how I see it anyway. Yeah, that's, that's a beautiful way to see it. Now, there's something I want to touch upon. You, you fell in love with this country and uh, you're a black man in a country that was predominantly white and had exhibited racism. How was that for you, bringing up children in a country that was racist? Yes, all I did look on things those days is people is people. I've got, I've got two or three um, racial things happened to me if you want me to say it I yes please please tell us well the first the first day the first not the first day the first say couple of months when i started a job in 1961 i went to the place those days you have to um push cards in you know to to get your card in the machine when you go to work and hope punch in punch out the cards yeah Punch cards. So I went one day, I, I got a job, and about four days after, I was punching my card, and there's this white guy behind me, and he said, I'll have to go back. He'll have to come first. So, okay. <laughs> well, I, was, I, was, um, I wasn't happy with it. You wouldn't be. But I still let him go through because I was not the job. So the following day, I went back to work. The rest of the guys attack him and tell him he shouldn't say that. And they really punch him up. Not only, it's about four more guys did. Um, one white, one black guy was in it too. And all of them punch him up and they reported to the, um, to the, the boss and they warned him off it. That was one. Wow. That, so you had white people fighting for your cause they, back they, then? And that, that may can be changed too. That that is very um that's a for you were surrounded by some very forward thinking people. Yeah. In in that time, that wouldn't happen often. No, no, it it, it wouldn't uh, that was well, I wouldn't know anyway because I was new to the country. But after after going on throughout my days, those things wouldn't happen, hardly happened that time. Yeah. So you were you you witnessed something that was very rare. The, the biggest one, though. Yeah. I was in Lewisham, and I was living at a house, where we rented, 
And I wanted another house just before my children come up. Right. I wanted another house to live. And I and the bottom of my road, there, <laughs> there was a house there, and they used to have those things for rent. Yes. Signs. So I went down on Hawks and knocked the door on Hawks, the lady. Um can I if I wanted I to rent like, this this flat, I how much? Rent it. Oh, I'm sorry. <clears throat> It's already rented. So I get back. I know that was really fishy. And I said, I said to myself, why didn't they take off the notice? So I've got an Australian friend who used to work at the House of Crawford as a journalist and a okay. very, very friend of mine. And he come back and I, he, he, when I told him, he said, let me go down and try it. He's white. Yeah. And he said, let me go down and try it. And he go down and try it and asked the woman if he could rent the house. And he said, yes, you can have it. And it's just about 20 or 30 minutes after she told me that was the racist thing. That's the only racist thing I have. I've asked you a little more, but I step over. Those are your main, your main experiences. You, you, you're, you're, it feels like you've been very lucky and so, maybe you have guardian angels that have been guiding you through um, and and helping you with your experiences because those that you mentioned there, you've you've had people on your side, which is which is fantastic. And then then it was racist in 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 London and Lewisham, and then um, there's a group form the former group which they employ me to recruit people to because those days you didn't have any black people in the council. Our mm -hmm. counselors are nothing whatsoever. And um, we decided that we're going to start up something. So we 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 um uh, we get some money, we get the money from the government, and then they employ me to to recruit people to, to get them learn to operate on the government with the government like counselors or whatever. Wow, so you 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 were um sort of one of the first people to start sort of a positive uh affirmation that are getting black people into jobs in in higher places. That's that that's the that's the first first place in England that ever happened and it started there and 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 we got them. There is a there is uh uh they write a book and it's only a few years ago I see it that they've mentioned my name in it to anyway about the organization. And wow. what started. And from then, then after after this, these people go to the course, after I recruit them and they go to the course, they go in the course and come up like we went to the council and asked them to give them jobs and job, and some of them get jobs, and it escalates from there, but we keep it there. And, and and it helps. <laughs> what I want to know is, after those experience that, experiences that you spoke about, mm. um, how did you talk to your children about race and the things that they might experience uh, mm. growing up in this country? How did you speak to Sophia? How did you speak to your other children about the same thing? Well, we, we never sort of discuss it sort of a get together and discuss it no okay we just talk about little races and thing and all that not in big big stages because we were 
we're so sort of concentrating and let them grow up to a profession and all that sort of things. Those days, if you let it dwell on you, then you get nowhere. So what's I concentrate on my children quite a lot. I believe in them. And especially Sophia and Naomi and I mean everyone really, but they they were the one that stitched two sides of me. And right now one living in in Bristol, one living in Devon, and I'm living in the middle in Somerset. So one is that side and one is that side. Ah. Uh. So when we meet, we meet, we can meet in the middle, or I go there and go there. So I mean I concentrate. We 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 have a they help me pull through my my cancer. I, I don't care if if the rest of children think anyway why I'm saying this, why I'm saying this. But they are the two that help me to fight my double cancer. We are so happy to have Tonka as our sponsor this series. Basic Fun's Tonka collection is packed full of fun vehicles for kids who want to get out and get tough with their toys. So dads, you've got no excuse. Grab that Mighty Steel Classic truck. It's time to head to the sandpit for some tough play. You've brought it up, so let's talk about it. You had cancer. When were you first diagnosed with cancer? Hmm. Was it 1985? 1985. 1985, I was diagnosed. I have symptoms. Then I was working with the youth service counseling young people at that time. I just had a job in Camden. And then I got the symptoms, so I go to my doctor and they diagnosed me. <clears throat> they, they, the doctor said, didn't say cancer, so I went to the hospital and take a check and they diagnosed me with cancer of my, I have a bladder cancer. Mm. Bladder cancer. Wow. That is not something you want to hear. What, what were your feelings at the time? I know treatments must have been totally different. Did, what did they tell you? What was your prognosis? Well, when I when when they 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 asked me, <clears throat> they asked me to come. They get the they check me out and find out and find it's a bladder cancer, and the consultant said, um, "You got two choices. Either you take your bladder out and put a bag in it, and perhaps later in life, you can get a bag to put put in your 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 side again, or." They give me radiation treatment. And in the in the in the 60s, if you talk about radiation, God help you because people think it, it's 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 the worst thing in the world. But I just said I didn't particularly want any, and I made the decision myself. I didn't want any um particular need want a bug my 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 um my put in me. So I took up for the radiation treatment. And that's that started guys in six six days a week no five days a week monday to friday for six weeks it was meant to be for six weeks then five weeks after they said they're going to check me scan everything then they find out i have a bladder cancer i mean um, prostate cancer so i've got both blood and prostate cancer and um then they said, they said, Mr. Hurst, I don't, I don't think you will make it. In that term, something like that, he said, it's a very, 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 it's very, very dangerous. So mm -hmm. you, you found out in 
1985, first that you had uh, bladder cancer, that moved on and you also had prostate cancer. So you've got yes. it in two, two areas of your body. And yes. this exactly. is at a time when radiotherapy was very, very new and very, very, you know, yeah. people didn't know a lot about it. How okay. dangerous is radiation? Yeah. You've opted for it because you didn't want to have the bag. Mm. Um. And they've given you how long to live? Five years to live, did they well, say? Well, actually, they didn't, they didn't give, I go through 20 years of journey. Because after I get the, after I get the, they said they're going to take me off, take me off the, um, take me off the... Radiotherapy? And in the five weeks and put me on, in five and a half weeks and put me on some tablets. Right. And they want some hormone tablets yeah and, and they they decided no I, I i'm talking about things because i want to talk about them because it's um no secret for me then they said they would give me the hormone tablet but they'll have to give me radiation treatments in both of my breasts so they give me a radiation treating radiation treatment one day in my right one day in the left yeah rest of the week because they have to give you in your breast. Because if you if you if you if you take any hormone tablet that they're going to give you, yeah. so the, the prostate can the prostate cancer thing, then it would make your breast swell up. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it is, and and so even they, to today, because <laughs> I know a, a little bit about it because my dad had as prostate cancer and had treatment only earlier this year. He mm -hmm. had radiotherapy for six weeks. Yes, that's that's that's. Mm. And he's on the hormones as well, and and that's one of the side effects that that can happen. That's right. So I was, I was lucky, but I, I, it's about nearly twenty years after or something like that. I can't remember, but I used to take every year. I don't think it might be less than that. Every every month, every 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 two months, every three months, till it come off to, to every year. Yeah. They take, they, they test me, right? And, and that's the reason why I move out from London to Somerset anyway, because I, I, I decided to, I work with the Education Authority as a youth, youth, youth worker, counseling young people. So I move out to, 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 to Somerset. And, and when I went, when the, 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 the consultant, but I still go, to go to Tartan to get tests every six months till every year on the consultants they'd like to see me one day close to me where they got a small hospital and he looked in the paper and said um, you're very lucky because the the, the 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 consultant they said they give you one year five years to live so I should have died 1990 so when I tell Sophie she laughed and said um I think she, she said that she didn't know because the, the consultant has said, put it this way, Mrs. Hurst, she's not going to live to see his children grow up. You see. But here you are, here you are, um, 35 years later. It mentally, it mentally hit you. I didn't put it out to them, but it mentally hit me because I didn't know to, whether I'm going to die, whether I'm going to live, whether I'm going. And I talk about it and, and, and laugh just as I'm talking. No, I never thought about But when I get back home, sometime I go in 
my room and I cry. That is, that is a, a, a male thing that goes mm. on a lot. Mm. The and yeah, the mental, the mental strain, the mental stress, and mm. men don't talk about it, which is why it is so important to have someone like yourself here on this podcast talking about what you've gone through as a man, as a father, and showing the vulnerable side of things. Yeah. It's so, so important what you're doing. And that's why I'm so happy to have you here talking about it and, and that you're so open to talk about it because mm. I think that if people see people like yourselves who've been through it, if they hear the stories as well, they'll be more likely to open up about it. And when they're more likely to open up and talk about it, mm. they're more likely to be able to get help. I think so. And... um uh, one other thing again, when I ask the doctor, because sometimes I come from work, I used to work at Camden, and sometimes I stop down the pub and have a drink, and I ask the doctor if I can have a drink still. He said, go on and do what the only things you used to do, because he <laughs> I only have five years to live. And I talk about it with the guys, them, and I talk about it just, uh, I've never, apart from when I go and I sit and I say that I don't want to leave the children, because those two girls, they're yeah. one side of me they keep me going they keep me alive i said i don't want to leave them i want to stay here and knock them throughout their life that's a beautiful thing an absolutely mm. beautiful thing but it meant hurt you if you don't talk about it it mentally hurt you hurt hurt when i talk about it with friends coming up out through here those years it made me feel better because i let it out but when i don't get the chance to talk about it i feel really it, it's heavy Mm. Yeah, it it weighs on you very heavily. Um, when did you become so um, wise about mental health? Because there's a lot of men who don't realise that they're going through mental problems, don't talk about it. Why were you so open to it? Why did you realise? Why were you, Is that just the way you are? Well, it might be. And um, that might be. And what sort of a push me out more is that and her Sophie's and this uh, home thing but um, it's called your it. daughter's work mental mental yeah mendable mendable and when I I, I, I I put myself on it and when I listen to people talk about all these these things what happened to them and how they what they gone through and all that that even put more strength you see, I'm not going to say that's what keep me going because I, I was I was going for twenty for thirty odd years, but I look into it and that helps more too. When I, I said, "Oh, so, so that's a really good thing," I was talking about mine and didn't keep it. You see, and that's helped me. Mm. It's a really good thing that you've talked about yeah. it and and uh, and didn't keep it. Bef and you've mentioned Sophia and we're definitely going to speak to her soon and we're going to get her to come up soon. But before we do, uh, I'd like to touch quickly upon another part of your life. And I want to I want to know if if one part has influenced another. So you, you've said and you've shown how open you are about your mental health and talking about it. You also mentioned that you were a youth worker. Now, that is about helping people. Is there a connection there? Tell us a bit about your 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 youth work. Well, 
Oh, <laughs> when I was working with Shell Company in, 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 in um, running the petrol station, and there was a man from North London, work with the Education Authority, wanted to um, want a place to open my youth club. And because I was sort of a, around with people so much in the, someone sent him to me, asked me to find out if I can get one. So I went to the vicar down the bottom. I'm not a religious man, but I went to the vicar. I know them and I talked to him and they give him a, a place that the education started to rent and they opened the youth club, youth place, youth, um, youth place, Lewisham Way Centre, they call it. Yeah. And then, um, I go there and help them sometime, help them sometime whilst working with Chell. And then I, I went to, to, I decided to take, take up the youth working thing and then I um I I go to the um the college and learn the youth work and get my papers and thing and then I come out and get a job in Camden and work at the youth service. That's where when I start the job, that's where I get the um I find out my get my symptom for the cancer. So and, and then I take it up and I work with it and then I leave when I when I've got my cancer and came moved to Somerset, someone from London know me and just get come and ask me if I can do some voluntary work with the voluntary service with the Lucia, the the Somerset Council. And I do it and I start um working with young people down here voluntary. You've you worked with young people both in London and in Somerset. So you, you must have heard and seen lots of things. Um, I want to ask two questions. One, did, uh, did you help any uh, young fathers? Yes. <laughs> yes, I talked to them. I tell you now, even now, even now I'm doing that. <laughs> even though I have someone yesterday, not yesterday, a couple of days, I got someone in here. I, I don't want to put this on, but I have someone in here that comes. Yeah, yeah, no, you don't have to mention any names. Don't, don't do child, that. A child and with problem. And, and I just talk to them as friend. I'm not saying doing as a counsel, a counseling or anything. I talk to them as friend. And because that, that one, I know his father well and mom. And, and I, I talk to them as friend. It's so it's so beautiful, and so uh, you're you're a very giving person, uh, and and that is something you don't see, well. Hopefully, we'll see it more and more these days. But it's something that you you haven't seen a lot in the past. Mm-mm. And the thing is, yeah. And the thing is, I'm going to say something. It might sound strange to you. No, go for it. I don't do anything for anyone without getting pay and my pay is not money it's the satisfaction i get to know that i did it you see that's my pay I, if i do something for you i get the satisfaction and it even makes me sleep better because i said i did this nice thing don't want your money if you give me the money i won't take it but i want to get the satisfaction because i've been there i've been to so many dangerous place in my life. I mean, dangerous myself, mentally, physically, everything. And and if, if I can help someone, I will. You, you are quintessentially what we want on this planet, Amos. You've got me in tears here. Um, 
Yes, yes, and yes. I'm lost for words, but you've got me lost for words here. Um, it's beautiful what you just said. And I hope people hearing this podcast and listening can resonate with what you said, because what you said is so, so, so true. Um, it's not about the money. It's not about that kind of payment. It's about the payment of giving back to other people, of um, helping each other, mm. educating each other. And you've already helped, I'm sure, hundreds and hundreds of people um, in your time as a youth worker, in your time doing all sorts. People are going to watch this, hopefully, listen mm. to this, and you're mm. going to help more people. You're also um, helping people with uh, your daughter, Sophia, uh, I think this might be a good time to bring to bring her into the conversation. Yeah, one other thing I said, people said that I wake up in the morning and every morning I wake up in the morning, I'm happy. I'm smiling and happy. And people, they used to tell me off. Everyone tell me off. So how could you wake up in the morning and unhappy? I said, yes, I'm seeing another day and I'm seeing I'm enjoying it. I go through all these things. It's, it's lots, lots of things. And... And I haven't got no plans to go anywhere. I want to steer and have my children straight off. <laughs> You're and not I, going anywhere yet. I'm happy where I live because if you come into my area and ask anyone who lives here about Amos, they will say they know me because I don't make problem with anyone because when, people, when someone tries to mess about, which I don't have it, not very rarely, They've got the problem. I don't, it's not, I haven't got the problem. They've got the problem. So they want to sort it out. I don't have to sort out anything for myself. And um, <laughs> many things I do to keep me going anyway. Mm. That's very good, Amos. It's so, so good. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to bring your daughter in, who's been listening away intently, who's helped you set up all the, the tech and, and the, uh, the, the, the things we've needed to make this, uh, this podcast happen. So uh, hopefully Sophia will come up now. Thank you, Hi. Sophia, for being here. Um, thank you for organising this and, and getting your, your dad to, to be here on this podcast. He's had me in tears here. Um, <laughs> What an amazing dad. Yeah, yeah. Do you know, I was just, I was listening and I, I'm laughing away at things, you know, and uh, it's the, the poison look thing had me, I was creased. <laughs> because, because if there's one thing I know, me and my sister ignored the poison look the entire time. <laughs> you ignored the poison look. We ignored the poison look. He's been throwing... Yeah, I gave him a poison look for years and I'm thinking, no, no, <laughs> we didn't. We ignored that. <laughs> you ignored the poison look. What it really was, was I saw the size of his hands and thought, I'd never want that to smack me. <laughs> He's got ginormous <laughs> That was enough. <laughs> maybe, maybe you were playing the daddy's little girl and knowing, okay, daddy's not going to smack me. I'm his, I'm his favourite little girl. And maybe one of your brothers would have been a little bit different. Who knows? Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, it's just interesting the point you were saying about how how dad parented us and uh yeah, he was uh he was great. It's funny because my uh some of the family saw different types of parenting, you know, the smacking a child was absolutely the norm. 
Um, yes. And I used to sort of say to dad, I'm so upset about this. I'm so upset at seeing this. And he'd be like, you know, he'd make, he, he was always very good with reasoning with us and helping us to understand from other points of views as well. Um, and I think like, it's one of the things I recognize very much in myself that I don't necessarily agree with things, but I can, I can have a good understanding from both sides, which is, I think, a really important thing. So I mean, we yeah, when, when you can see things from both sides, you have the empathy with both sides. So you yeah. can kind of, yeah. you have that, that view it to le- be able to... It leaves to... you with less anger inside about some things, you know? So, yeah, I think, I think we're parented very well. <laughs> Amos, uh, Sophia was just saying that the poison look didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> it works for me. Well, it doesn't work for her, but it worked for me because she has... <laughs> She stopped, she stopped what she was doing, if anything's wrong. It works. <laughs> That's awesome. Absolutely awesome. Um, let's touch upon uh, the, the parenting that we were talking about. We were talking about um, the race side of things, Sophia. Uh, and how, how did you see your dad bringing you up in a certain way with that confidence to, to know, you know, you are... You are worth something you you have to fight for what you believe and, yeah and what did you see so because uh, yeah I was I was thinking about that when when you guys were talking and dad's right we didn't sort of sit down and have in-depth conversations about race um or any anything like that really we it was always just when it was the appropriate time and I think that was really good and it worked really well for me personally because we were shown by example we knew the work that both our parents had done you know we didn't talk about how my mum and dad met but it was through the same passion and desire to help other people um particularly with the BAME group in in London um, and being an advocate for them um so we knew what our parents had done our parents were very into um political things as in supporting what they thought was right they were always they would always fight for justice they were very they led by example I think that's why certainly I am the way I am is because of my parents and listening to dad talk even though I've heard it at different stages in life like it just reminds me in one go this is why I do what I do this is why I am the person I am you have a a dad who is nothing but giving all Mm. giving so Mm. to, to grow up around that now you've become someone who gives yeah a hundred percent I mean even when I look at how my dad you know George Floyd situation and I was able to call him and have a good reasonable conversation with him we've very much been brought up that education is key that fighting for what's right is important but the approach and how you do that is is essential because that's when the the results are the outcomes are often better and and I've you know, I obviously I'm my own person as well. I know that, you know, my own life experiences have led me to where I am as well. But the most important thing was that foundation from my parents was there. Yeah. Those core values and morals were there. So uh, before we wrap things up and, and, and uh, talk about some other things, uh, you both, are doing a lot of work at the moment and the place I met you was on Clubhouse. You're doing a lot of work for dads and fathers at the moment, aren't you? Um, and just men in general. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. 
Yeah, so uh, when I when I came to uh, the Clubhouse app, which I was reluctant to come to for such a long time, but when I finally <laughs> said, yeah, let, I'll, I'll go on there, and obviously knowing that I had the success with music beforehand, it was like it, the natural thing was would to be get involved with that side of things, you know, the music stuff, and did some music rooms and things, and I was thinking, actually, I don't really feel fulfilled and, and it's not in an, in an ungrateful way but I just felt like there's so much more I could be doing with my platform to what I really care about and what's important for me um and you know I don't make it a secret I don't go into great depths often but you know my relationships with men haven't always been positive and I've had quite a difficult time with it but one of the things that I've been able to do again from my core values and such that I've been raised with is to to look back and reflect on, you know, not, not just my, my behaviors in it, but just that actually the, those people actually probably needed some help. They needed an opportunity to be able to talk about how they were feeling. And I never really gave it, <laughs> you know, and a lot of women don't. And so that creating the space for men was really important for me to allow people like my dad or my family members that might not have been able to speak about things, but will always seem to be a certain way, but that wasn't really how they were. It was just how they were expressing what the, the term they were going they through. Were feeling. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it's just kind of growing from there. So that group on a Monday and Thursday will continue to run. And I, and I say it all the time, but, you know, I was absolutely exhausted at one point because, you know, developing the Mendable app as well in the background and then doing my nursing and, and everything else that I'm doing and being a mum and all of that stuff. I was I was really tired, but I remember speaking yeah. to dad um, who is it should probably be my first resort sometimes ends up being my last because um, I don't you know, for me, because I know how he loves us, he would be yeah. the first person to say stop stop and look after yourself but with this he was very much this is really really important so you know you can't stop and and I'm so glad he said that because from where it's taken off from there you know I was getting quite a lot of pressure from family and friends that weren't speaking to me as often as they had before you know obviously uh, with the pandemic as well we had a bit more time to to speak to our friends and um and I wasn't wasn't able to really express the work that I was doing, because I was so busy with it, I didn't have the time to explain. So my best explanation to my dad was, come and come and join in the group, come and be a part of this, come and see what your daughter's doing and, and see whether you think it's it's valuable. And then he did, and he hasn't not been there once. He's there every time you open the room, you know? Guys, thank you so much for uh, coming along and talking uh, and spreading the word. Um, Sophia, do you want to let people know where they might be able to, to find all the stuff you're doing? Yes. Yeah, 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 please. Um, so the clubhouse rooms are on a Monday and Thursday, and that's at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, 12 p.m. Pacific and 8 p.m. UK time. So that's every Monday and Thursday, and we are there without fail every Monday and Thursday. And what, what's um, the name of the group they're looking for as well? And it's the Men and Mental Health Room. So you can actually go to www.mendable.app, and you can see the Clubhouse link to the uh, Mental Health Awareness Club. And we are always happy to collaborate with people. We're, we're completely up for that. We've got the um, forum now on the website as well, so you can get involved in that. We've got the TV channel. We're doing lots of Instagram lives and, and they're being put onto the website. There's so much going on and I can't wait for the app to be launched um, when it does. It's taking time, but we want to get it right. So yeah, it's very exciting and come and awesome. be a part of it. Yeah. 
We'll put some links up on our webpage as well, where this uh, podcast episode will be. So check out Amazing. the webpage for that as well, guys. It'll all be there listed. Thank you so much, uh, Sophia. And massive thank you to you, Amos. Have a lovely day. Thank you too, because you let yeah. me let out something, some of the things, because Lord's dear, you let me let out some of the things and it made me feel happier when I talk about it. So thanks very much. And well, talking to you mm. yeah and, and Amos, when, when i'm coming through through hold on when when i'm coming through through somerset i want to yeah. stop by amos oh. and you mentioned that you you mentioned that uh, when you had the cancer you could go and drink anything you wanted to drink what's yeah. your drink of pleasure what is what's your choice uh, my is choice it guinness is it is it what is it no. rum. <laughs> <laughs> okay we're, we're having a rum together and lager shanty <laughs> I yeah, love a yeah, lager yeah. shandy too. Yeah, it has to show you his, his humongous allotment that you would never think an 85-year-old man could look after the way that he does because it's, it's huge. I can't even tell you. Yeah. I just started growing some plants. I just started doing some, some veg. Amos, we need to talk. <laughs> yes. Whenever you want. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but there is one thing that I do say, which happens in the group a lot. This is my dad, right? <laughs> You lot need to remember this, Mike. But no, I to be honest, I just wanted to say, Nigel, that you know, you coming in the room, I believe it was a, a, a great thing. And we talked after. Um, and I appreciate you because I often see you there listening as well. So it just shows your actual real authentic dedication to this. And I just wanted to thank you for inviting us as well. Oh no, it's absolutely I'm I'm here. I, I enjoy it. I enjoy yeah. people speaking to people like yourselves seeing other people who are living it. And like Amos, I get back from it. It's not monetary. I'm not doing this for money. This is, this is That's what makes it special. the growth of everyone. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah, it's a really great pleasure in, in talking to you today. Definitely. I've really enjoyed it. Yes. And you have a great day. Yes. <laughs> Take Thank care, you, folks. Thanks, Dad. What an amazing man. What an amazing father. So lucky to have him here on the podcast. He's seen a lot and experienced a lot in his 85 years. And for him to share some of that with us was a privilege. And great to see his daughter as well, one of his lovely children. Just testament to how much of a good dad he is. So there you have it. Another fantastic episode. Thank you so much for listening. And if you have time, leave us a review. We'd love to hear what you thought of this episode or of the series as a whole. And don't forget, you can subscribe or follow using your preferred podcast platform to be first to hear the episodes. If you'd like to find out more about Dadvengers, head to dadvengers.com where you can find out more information about our live chats, about our meetups, quizzes, blog posts, and more. This has been the Dadvengers podcast sponsored by Tonka because being tough It's all about getting out and playing. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling... 
We are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.